David and Goliath, how native peoples are beating big oil. That and other stories for the week ending September 6, 2015. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin. And it's This Week in Water. Most people are aware of the plans to build the controversial Keystone XL pipeline from Canada through the U.S., But in addition to Keystone, there are plans to build other oil and gas pipelines through Alberta and British Columbia. Chevron and TransCanada are trying to build gas projects through the territories of the native group known as the Unistotin. And a third company, Enbridge, is trying to build a pipeline that would transport bitumen from Alberta tar sands to the Pacific coast. The native peoples are fighting these pipelines because of their concerns not only about breaks, shipping accidents along the coast of British Columbia, but also degradation of their ancestral lands and waters. In efforts to stop these pipelines, the Unistotin have established a camp to block the oil giants from surveying their lands. The camp sits right in the middle of one of the proposed pipeline routes. They've also established checkpoints to learn the intentions of those who wish to enter native territory and have turned back industry employees and even the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Last week, however, the native chiefs of British Columbia announced that they had been told the police were planning a major crackdown on the Unistotin, and there were reports that security forces increased their presence in small towns near the remote area, about 600 miles north of Vancouver. The Canadian government denied rumors of any law enforcement buildup. In related news, indigenous peoples of Ecuador have long suffered the consequences of oil drilling operations that severely contaminated their waters and lands between 1964 and 1992. The Ecuadorians, 30,000 in all, sued Chevron and were awarded $9.5 billion by courts in Ecuador. But the oil giant hasn't paid a cent and is trying hard not to do so. Last week, in a major victory for the Ecuadorians, the Canadian Supreme Court said in a unanimous decision that the judgment against Chevron from Ecuador's courts could be enforced in Canada. Chevron was trying to get the court to dismiss the case, but now the villagers can continue their efforts to collect the billions of dollars they're owed by seizing the company's assets in Canada. Most of us recognize the immediate effects of rising carbon levels in our atmosphere but not as well known as the fact that the oceans absorb carbon dioxide. The absorption causes the acidification of the water, which leads to the destruction of coral reefs and the marine food chain. Last week, Jim Berry, a senior scientist at the Monterey Bay Aquarium, explained to KQED that CO2 robs the ocean of an essential compound for shellfish and coral. But even more concerning is the fact that a number of experts think we're heading into, if not already in, another great extinction, And as noted by scientist Barry, four of the five big extinctions on Earth included ocean acidification. You probably haven't heard of Galgeria sulfuria, but according to Peter Lammers at Arizona State University, it's one of the most interesting microorganisms on the planet. Why? Because it loves extreme temperatures, can degrade over 50 organic molecules, and even photosynthesize like a plant. What else can it do? treat sewage and create energy. That's the goal of a pilot project in Las Cruces, New Mexico, where wastewater is being diverted into rows of plastic bags primed with the microbe. 
The algae use sunlight and carbon dioxide to grow, breaking down nitrogen and phosphates as they go. Which is a huge breakthrough in wastewater treatment because nitrogen and phosphorus from fertilizers are a growing environmental issue. They're responsible for massive algal blooms that deplete oxygen in the water and create dead zones like in the Gulf of Mexico where fish can't survive. Existing treatment plants can only remove about 15% of the nitrogen and around 25% of the phosphorus in wastewater a process that requires a lot of energy. So that's where this project gets really exciting. Thanks to the algae's growth, it creates a rich organic sludge that can then be turned into biofuel that could run the treatment facility or even create surplus electricity. Lammers told the Guardian newspaper that the system requires a lot of sun, so probably best suited to the desert southwest. But he sees huge potential to use it in sunny areas of Africa or South America, where, according to the UN, 90% of sewage is discharged without any treatment. And finally this week, it's Labor Day weekend, so you're out playing golf, on a long bike ride, or maybe sunbathing at the beach, and you're thirsty. So you reach for your sunscreen and... Take a swig. No, really you do. That's if you've got Uvo in your bag, a fruit drink purporting to protect your skin from the inside out. According to the product website, Uvo is a synergistic formula of powerful vitamins, photonutrients, and antioxidants scientifically proven to protect the skin from the sun's ultraviolet rays. But that depends on your definition of scientifically and protect. The only science behind this product is that some oral antioxidants might provide protection from solar radiation. But even in those studies, the amount of protection is pretty minimal, maybe by an SPF level of one or two at most. So dermatologists who reviewed the product said stick with topical sunscreen. While the product couldn't hurt you, using a drinkable sunscreen seems hard to swallow at five bucks a 12 ounce bottle. This Week in Water is a production of H2O Radio and is sponsored by Colorado WaterWise. Learn more at coloradowaterwise.org.